Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Your Tampa Bay Lightning open the season at New York against the Rangers in Madison Square Garden tonight. It is a rematch of the NHL Eastern Conference Final. A great, great matchup on hand. We've got Igor's better. Igor's better. That's what I heard. (laughs) Igor's better. Igor Sesturkin against uh, Andre Vasilevsky. I mean, two Vesna Trophy winners, obviously. That's what we heard last last, uh, June or whatever it was. That's what we kept hearing. Yeah, after, well, after two games, he wasn't better uh, as it turned out in the series because New York was at home and and the Lightning were in the Stanley Cup Finals. But that's that's another story. Can they make it to four in a row? That's going to be the challenge this year. Totally rebuilt defense uh, in some respects, other than the goaltender, obviously. And we're going to a lot to talk about with Eduardo up in New York here in just a minute. But first. Let's talk a little football, a little National Football League. Is, is that it still right? football? Is it still football? Well, it's it's football, but it's more like touch football than it is uh, tackle football. What are they doing to the National Football League? What the hell is going on here? We saw on Sunday, of course, the what was, I think, an egregious call on Grady Jarrett of the Atlanta Falcons when he sacked Tom Brady. Roughing the passer call on third down would have given the ball back to the Atlanta Falcons with about three minutes to go and timeouts remaining. And instead, the Bucks get a first down. They force them to use their timeouts. They get another first down, and the game is over. So uh, that, that has been debated on all the talk shows everywhere you can imagine from the time that that play occurred. Not to be outdone. An hold, even hold worse my beer. Call. Hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. Think that was bad? Watch this, Chris Jones. Chris Jones, the Kansas City Chiefs, who gave the Bucks all kinds of fits, they couldn't block him either. Neither could the Raiders, by the way. He makes an unbelievable play, beats his man, gets to the quarterback, and in one motion grabs hold of, of Carr and then with the other hand strips the ball away, has it in his underneath his arm as they're both going to the ground, braces his fall with his left hand so his whole body weight won't come down on Carr, and when he does, when they do land on the ground, because, you know, it's tackle football, uh, he has the ball, and he's actually the ball carrier at that point, down by contact, you would think. But no, 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 there's a flag, and Jerome Boger was not the referee at this, at this particular game. But nonetheless, you know what came next. Roughing the passer on Chris Jones, automatic first down. And that stadium went crazy, as did almost everybody who's watching that was on social media, and rightfully so. What have they done with this with the National Football League? What are we not? Are we playing tackle or not? Is the quarterback able to be hit at all? Under what circumstance? I mean, it's clear to me now, and I thought it was just kind of conspiracy theorists, you know, that well was Bo, you know, these are these referees? Are they been influenced by what's gone on with Tua Tungavaloa? Well, they're human. They watch the news, they watch TV, but has there been some sort of edict 
uh, circulated around the NFL with the officials that, hey, we got to really, really watch these quarterbacks now? I don't know, but boy, I'll tell you, there's two very prominent plays that have to be talked about by the competition committee and by the NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell right away, or they're going to lose their game. It's so if, apparently that the NFL must have got too much blowback for getting rid of the Pro Bowl, so they brought it back in the regular season. <laughs> right, that's what it reminded me of. I tweeted that. I was like, "Look," and I said this to uh, Todd Bowles. I said, "Are you? Do you have? You know, you're a defensive coach. Is there any fear of yours that this is becoming the Pro Bowl?" And they canceled that because it was such bad football. And he's like, "If it ever gets to that, I'm. I hope I'm done. Play, I'm hoping I'm coaching by then." Look, I'm all for protecting the quarterbacks and, and protecting players. I, look, the quarterbacks are the, are the most important position in football. We know if you lose your top quarterback, your shot of winning is probably gone. Yeah. We know that those are the stars, the Bradys, the Rodgers, the Mahomes, the, you know, go through the list. Sure. Lamar Jacksons, et cetera. So I'm all about protecting them. But then if we're going to play two-hand touch, it's got to be two-hand touch every time in the pocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to protect them that much, then it can't be – you tackle him, he lands on top of you, and he runs 30 yards down the field. Right. Because right. because you tried to softly tackle him. I mean, they need to protect the quarterbacks. That's that's where their money, that's where their television revenue, that's where everything is coming from. But the, the, those two plays, Sunday against Tom Brady and tonight against Eric, those are football plays. There's no, There was no malicious con, context there. I, I, it's... It's if I was a defender, and, and you know, you talk to some of the Bucks defenders. You know, they were happy it happened Sunday for the Bucks, but going, wait, what if that happens to me? Well, they were upset. Yeah, Raheem Nunez Roches especially yeah. was mm-hmm. just like, this is this is ridiculous. You know, and I mean, here's the thing. So, you know, the NFL is not for the faint of heart. Okay, and nobody who plays in this league. Uh, has gotten here because, you know, that they're weak of spirit, body, or or anything else, okay? Mm-hmm. They understand what they signed up for. Now, player safety, all for it. They've already done things to the quarterback. Some call it the Brady rule. After his torn ACL, you can't hit a quarterback now uh, below, you know, in the mm-hmm. knees. Mm-hmm. Uh, the strike zone is basically like a major league strike zone, really, from the letters on the chest to the top of the knees is about the, the only place you can hit a quarterback these days. You're not supposed to fall with the full weight on, on them. You're not supposed to throw them to the ground. Okay, so if you want to live in that universe, it, it, it's not perfect, but it's manageable. Okay, you want to take away the head shots of the, out of the game? Okay, all right? Um, you know, forearm to the face, all that stuff. Like, okay, you know, you, you, can, you can play the game. And there are certain rules you can enforce. But this idea that you can't tackle the quarterback, and that's what it's become now, um, that, well, you tackled him, but it looked like you got a little too much of your weight on top of him. Or you tackled him, but you threw him down too hard, which was sort of what Boger was saying, that you know he, he was in the pocket and he unnecessarily threw the quarterback to the ground. Yeah, that's, that's constitute a tackle in tackle football. Anyway, uh, the pendulum's got to swing back. I... I tried. I was going to talk to somebody that I know at the Atlanta Falcons, and they were still so upset. They didn't want to talk today just because they needed to calm down. had nothing to do with what we were going to discuss. Um, but obviously, you know, that call would have come up. And um, 
you know, they're pretty hot still in Atlanta. And again, that didn't mean that the game was lost because of that call, but it certainly influenced any chance that the Falcons had of maybe coming back. And they had scored 15 unanswered points and still had three minutes to go and a bunch of timeouts. So you just, you don't like to see that sort of thing, you know, take away, you know, team's chances to, to win a game. But they got a problem now, and this is going to be this is two major games that you know with lots of attention on those plays, back to back days, Monday Night Football with the entire nation watching. Uh, I would expect that there will be some discussion with the the head of officials and and Roger Goodell and the competition committee, and it'll be hey, we can't turn this game into touch football. We can't turn it into the Pro Bowl because nobody wants to watch the Pro Bowl because it's not football. The first two sacks in this game, they literally, as I said, just stood those guys up and called them down with forward progress and basically gave them a hug. I mean, that's what this is, you know, come to. You suggested when we were talking off the air before we went on the podcast, well, just, just put an orange jersey on them or something, you know, a non-contact jersey. I mean, that's really the kind of game you're talking about, and no one's going to want to watch it, and everyone's upset. You just have to go on social media to see that. Look, I was watching, there was a clip, and I, I think, I believe I reposted this on Twitter at NFL Stroud, of in the early days of Tom Brady, he gets hit so hard on a play where he gets outside the pocket, mm-hmm. and he's looking to throw the ball, and they, they take his bucket off, right? I mean, they knock him in the head, and he is, and, and, and I mean, I don't even know if they got him in the head, but the helmet flew off, and he gets up sort of, you know, quickly, and all he isn't looking for flags. He isn't looking for flags. He's just looking for his helmet to get back in the huddle and continue playing. And that's that's the league that Tom Brady entered. And this also this narrative that, you know, Brady gets all these calls. And I would agree that maybe not every quarterback in that situation gets that call. Um, but that said, over the course of his career, he has not been somebody that's gotten an inordinate amount of roughing the passer calls. Quite quite the contrary. I think in, I believe in 2020, he got one. Uh, in 2019, one of those years, he had zero. Well, when and you get just, rid of the ball as quick as he does, you that's shouldn't what get he a lot said. of Yeah, that's what he said. He said, listen, he goes, my experience is as a player that, and he said this on his podcast with Jim Gray, my experience as a player is since I play from the pocket, I don't get as many of those. It seems like the guys that get most of the roughing the passer penalties are the ones that get outside and scramble. And they, they, they take more hits as well. You know, I've, I've always said this, like, show me a scrambling quarterback, I'll show you a guy that leads the lead in sacks every year. And it sounds antithetical because you're like, well, wait a minute, you got a mobile quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback. He can avoid pressure. Yeah, you know what happens to those mobile quarterbacks? They get sacked more than any other quarterback because, the, what, they're holding the football. They're holding it. They're getting outside, looking, looking, looking. Well, by that time, you know, some of those six foot five, 260 pound linebackers and defensive ends, they run a four, five, 40. So they're going to catch you at some point. And it's really not a good thing. That's why you're more protected and you're safer to stay in the pocket because the injuries happen to RG3 and other guys that throughout their careers when they leave it. And, you know, that's, that's not what you want to do as a quarterback. But yeah, Brady really hasn't. I think. Since 2000, if I'm quoting Jim Gray correctly, or 2010 maybe, um, only 2% of his sacks have resulted in roughing the passer penalties, something like that, 2.1%. And 
And that is like 60-something out of 90-something quarterbacks with more than a 100 sacks. So, you know, he, he is not that guy that's that's getting flags all the time. He got one at the right time, that's for sure. And that's why I think people just generally think that Brady gets a hall pass for, for a lot of things. Um, you know, wrongly associated that call with the fact that it was just Tom. But in that situation, boy, it was devastating. But now we're through the looking glass with this stuff. Now we're we're just, you know, breathing on a quarterback and they're throwing flags. So not a good thing, not a good look for the NFL. It's going to be a big topic throughout the week. And, you know, I'm sure we'll be here to talk more about it as we, you know, get into the week and they prepare for the Pittsburgh Steelers at Pittsburgh this week. They got some winnable games. Also at Carolina with a new head coach, Carolina firing Matt Rule. You know, I thought that he was going to be a decent NFL head coach, but it just didn't work out. Well, the question is, is can you be a decent NFL coach if you don't have a quarterback? Nope, you can't. Nope. That's absolutely right. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe if he had a good quarterback, he still wouldn't have succeeded. We don't know. Yeah. But we know he doesn't have a good quarterback at this point. That's correct. You know, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton back for a second time, Baker Mayfield. I mean, none of them are performing well. Correct. So, I mean, and, my guess is he'll be back in college pretty quick. Yeah, I think, well. And, he probably and has got an offer or two already, to be honest. But. Uh, well, probably. And that's one of the advantages. Like, it, typically, I don't think it's a good idea to fire a, an NFL head coach during the season because a couple things happen. One, you've got an entire coaching staff, and I guess they fired a special teams coach, too, and maybe another one. But you've got an entire coaching staff who now knows they're without a job for next year. And so, how do you think the game plans are going to go? How do you think they're? How much time are they going to spend on this job, or is it going to be looking for their next one? Because they got families, they've got kids in school. They they need to know where they're going to be a year from now, and so that's always a bad thing with the staff, right? The staff morale is is through the bottom. They know they're all fired, and, and so you know, even though Steve Wilkes is going to take over, and he was a head coach for one season in Arizona, pretty well regarded, and you know, the owner David Tepper said, well, he's a candidate if he does well but he'd just be one of the candidates, very unlikely that he ends up with a job, right? I don't know that he's going to turn him around. I mean, right now you've got Baker Mayfield's in a boot. You know, they've tried Sam Darnold. They've, you're right. They tried to get quarterbacks in various ways. Supposedly they were in on Deshaun Watson. Um, they could have had Jimmy Garoppolo if they'd have made that deal, but they didn't. And I think a big part of it is the quarterback. But for whatever reason, they made the move now. And I think in, in, in part because they owe this guy a ton of money. Uh, I think, I, I forget how much, like 40-something million dollars or something left on his deal. And the great thing is, is that there's probably an offset. And by firing him now, he gets on the college radar right away. And so if he takes another job at name the university, whatever he makes at that university will then be offset by what the Panthers are paying him. So, you know, if he's making $2 with the Panthers and a new school pays him $1, then the Panthers only have to pay him $1. So that's sort of how that offset works. So it's probably in, to their advantage to do it now from a financial standpoint anyway and hope that he decides to coach, if he does coach. I mean, he may take a year off. Who knows what his personal or, you know, professional desires are. But he's going to be a, a very highly regarded, you know, head coach for the college ranks right away. I don't think NFL teams are going to hire him necessarily right away, but you know he had a lot of success at Temple and then Baylor, so you would think that his phone's going to be ringing if it isn't already. 
But today and tonight especially is all about the NHL. It's all about the start of the Lightning hockey season. They're in New York to play the Rangers before we talk to Ed Encina of the Tampa Bay Times. I want to remind you that May Electric Solar is there to save you money on your electric bill. They're a family-owned and operated uh, company. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. There's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and service warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances that is what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who is doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and the quality of your appliances through every storm season. That's May Electric Solar. 727-819-2862. All right, the Tampa Bay Lightning begin their season against a familiar opponent, the New York Rangers. It's a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals, and we find Ed Encina, who covers the Tampa Bay Lightning Force at the Tampa Bay Times, is in New York. And, Ed, uh, I got to start by saying, look, this team has made three Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, that is history in and of itself in many ways, and yet they lost the last one. They've had some changes we'll talk about, but in general, sort of what's the mindset of this team? There has to be, I would think, some fatigue of playing that many uh, extended seasons. Um, they look refreshed and ready to go. What, what do you think the prospects are going to be? And, and or, I think they pe- might be being overlooked a little bit as I look at who people favor to win these divisions. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, you know, I, I think this team always kind of looks at, even though they've they've accomplished everything they've accomplished the past, you know, three years, even going on a decade, you know, in terms of, of right. winning and, and, and playing deep in the postseason, um, they always kind of play for a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, you know, that mm-hmm. they might not be uh, be seen as as, as as good as they've been. So uh, I, I think this year they, 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 do, they have that same kind of mentality, you know, they're year. They are a year older. You know what I mean. They are one of the older teams uh, in the division. Uh, they're one of the older teams in the league right now. You know the the league's getting younger. Everyone else is getting better. So I think you know you factor in some of those things, and it makes it tougher. You know I think you know when I was talking to Stephen Stamkos talking about the season, he said every year it gets a little bit tougher, and yeah. um, obviously a big part of that is you know the the changes that, that do have to happen because of the salary cap that's that's what you know the league wants that kind of parity but um you know they've been able to do it and at the end of the day like i think every year we kind of say like you know do they have enough do they have enough do they have enough um but they figure out a way to kind of get back there so i think it's gonna be the same thing you know they're gonna be in that you know group of of, of teams that might be a little bit bigger this year that have a shot at you know making it to the final and winning so um and i think you know, like you said, they've played a lot of hockey. You know, you always wonder when that's going to catch up to them, um, especially as, as they get older and, you know, especially as they deal with injuries. You know, every that's that's kind of a a, a big thing every year. You know, I think that, you know, they, they they did something amazing when they, you know, basically won the Stanley Cup without Steven Stamkos for the most part the first time. You know, the second year, uh, you know, they were out with Nikita, without Nikita Kucherov for the entire regular season. And so they overcome big injuries, but I think as you get older and the core group gets a little bit older, um, you know, that, that gets a lot tougher. And at the end of the day, I think we all know that, you know, the backbone of this whole thing is, is Andre Vasilevsky and Ned. And as long as they have him, 
uh, in goal, you know, they've got a shot. And I think that's been the case the past few years. And I think it, it kind of continues to be. So uh, a bunch of factors, you know, they got to, you know, stay healthy or as healthy as they can. You know, they've got some injuries um, going into the season this year, namely, you know, Anthony Sorelli, um, which, which kind of, you know, as a top line center, you know, you kind of got to figure out how to overcome his absence for at least the past, next, the first probably two months of the season. So, uh, you know, but again, you know, it's wide open, which kind of plays to their, you know, to their strengths. You know, it, it seems like it's probably as wide open of a, of a race this year as it is the, has been the past couple of years, especially in the East. Uh, you know, some of the quote unquote bottom feeders have gotten better. So, you know, you think it's kind of a little bit more towards the pack. And, um, you know, so there's not very many easy points necessarily. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, their mentality to answer your question has been, you know, we're not done yet. And, uh, you know, that game six loss and the way it ended uh, in Tampa watching, you know, the Colorado Avalanche celebrate on home ice, you know, still doesn't sit well with them. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of a little bit of a motivation this year. You know, you always ask about, you know, how do you kind of get that, that hunger back? And I think, you know, just thinking back to a few months ago, uh, does it for them. Uh, like gives them that hunger. Absolutely. And, and, you know, they've had some changes. You mentioned the salary cap. And listen, I, I think they manage that as, as well as can be expected. Um, mm-hmm. uh, having said that, you know, you lose an Andre Pilat, you lose a Ryan McDonough. Um, you're going to ask a lot more of Mikhail Sergachev. So they've had to sort of rebuild this defense. Uh, what does it look like? What are the roles? And as we, as we speak right now, we're not sure of Ian Cole's status, who's under suspension. Right. So there, there's a lot of questions on, on the blue line right now. Yeah, talking about the hockey, it's it's, it's really th- that's probably the, the main question here is you know how do they you know rebuild this blue line? You know, like you said, McDonough was a big part of it. Um, arguably, probably the, the best you know defensive defenseman in the league. You know, mm-hmm. shot blocker, twenty two, twenty three minutes a game, one of the big best penalty killers. Um, that's hard. That's hard to replace, and I think. You know they're they're out to replace the minutes, and you've got to replace what he does. So, um, you know, obviously Sergachev is going to have to play a bigger role, uh, not necessarily in minutes because he already plays a ton of minutes, but you know, just playing tougher matchups, you know, bigger minutes, more high intensity minutes. So that's a real big right. test for Mikhail Sergachev as he kind of enters this this part of his career where he's going to be asked a lot more of. You know, you're going to see you're not going to see him be playing more minutes, but they're going to be more intensive minutes. Um, and then, you know, even, you know, losing a guy like Jan Ruda, um, who fit in really well with Victor Hedman, you know, not everyone can play with Victor because he's, he plays a different game. You know, he likes to jump up and plays, you know, you got to kind of protect him. Um, so, you know, they've been testing with, uh, Cal foot a little bit. Uh, Eric Chernak is there too. You know, he can be a guy who, who's done that. They've played together, um, with some success. Uh, and, and, and the Cole situation obviously is, uh, really kind of attacks their depth because it doesn't leave them very many left shot defensemen here, you know? So with, with Cole out, with Cole being suspended, uh, you know, you're not, you're Hayden Fleury, you know, a guy who we know for, a former first round pick, you know, kind right. of floated around the past few years. Um, he's going to be jumping in there as really that third left shot defenseman. So they're already tested, uh, you know, depth wise, um, and, uh, you know, their, their, their depth is going to be, you know, really key here. Um, 
you know, and that's going to be a, a big thing. You know, uh, Philip Myers obviously came over in the McDonough trade. They're going to expect a lot from him. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it, I think that's really the, the big thing here is you're really kind of rebuilding this entire unit because also Zach Bogosian out uh, injured to start the season for probably the first month, month and a half. Right. Um, you know, you're losing you're losing a lot there. They're really going to have to rebuild it. And, you know, I, I think they're trying in camp. The big thing for especially some of the new guys like Myers and and flurry was really kind of simplifying it. It's just like possess the puck, get it out fast, get out of your own zone fast. And that's kind of, you know, we've seen them kind of struggle with that a little bit, you know, even during the regular season is, you know, they, they can't have, they can't allow these kind of extended, uh, extended time in their own zone. You know, that's what leads the goals and that's what leads the breakdowns and defensive coverage and stuff like that. So, um, you know, keep it simple, you know, possess the puck, Get it out quickly. And I think that's one thing, too. Maybe they were a little bit exposed, um, you know, by a Colorado in the final is the speed of play. You know, I think this this year you're going to see them want to play a really quicker paced game. And mm-hmm. that obviously starts with the back end with these guys getting the puck and getting it out of the zone quickly. Well, one guy that always helps them get it out of the zone and across the blue line is Braden Point. And we know that he was beat up last year uh throughout a, a good portion of the season so what does Braden Point look like now in training camp I, I assume he's healthy and when he's healthy uh, they're a different hockey team yeah you're right and I think you know honestly you know just in looking at and covering training camp that's really been the the thing I've watched the most is like what's what's Braden Point look like and you know you can, uh, I think that the games are really what tell you a lot you know mm-hmm. you can, you know, in, in practice he looks great you know the, the speed is back, you know, we can stop on a dime, just, you know, the brain point we see and know, but it's right. actually kind of, you know, when you get into that game speed and, you know, take a couple of hits, you know, dish out a couple of hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, he only played in, in really like two, two, three games here, but um, he looks good. And like I said, I think the last game uh, against Florida on Saturday was really one that was really big for him because uh, he was able to kind of, uh, get his legs under him he had a couple of breakaways he had some good scoring chances he actually got to he scored a i think it was the, the team's last goal in the end you know uh, this kind of rush that andre vasilevsky started he didn't freeze the puck and he just pushed it up and uh you know the guys kind of you know a great rush you know kucherov you know led it and dropped off the foot and then brain points the first one to the net uh back hmm. post and uh you know easy goal for him so um seeing that's got to help, you know, seeing that, you know, his legs are under him has got to help. Uh, like I said, I think it's some of this will be a little bit of a process because, you know, you know, you want to take those hits, you want to get your timing back. Um, but I think that, you know, as brain point goes kind of the, you know, the lightning goes. So, uh, especially when it comes yeah. to dictating the pace of play. So, um, it's going to be big. It's going to be huge. You know, talking to Braden, you know, it, it's, it's tough because, when he tried to come back, he had to compensate, right? So he's playing a different game. It's not his game, you know? Right. He was just trying to get through. So it's it's getting used to playing that kind of game that makes brain point, brain point, which is, you know, puck on a stick, uh, you know, the speed, you know, the ability to skate, and obviously the ability to score. So um, I think uh, he's going to really kind of have to f- still kind of find it a little bit. But, uh, you know, that'll, that should come, you know, early in the season. And like I said, you know, uh, I think for him, he's looking forward to having a healthy, healthy season, which he hasn't had entirely the past couple of years, you know, 
playoffs last season aside, you know, so I think that'll be big for him, you know, just kind of stay healthy. We saw what, what happens when, you know, Steven Stamkos, when he was able to, you know, stay healthy an entire year, you know, he had the best year of his career. So um, these guys work so hard on their bodies to keep, keep it through a, you know, 82 game schedule plus the playoffs. Um, and, and that's a big challenge sometimes, but um, I think for Braden, that's, that's really his main goal. Uh, it's it's really a demolition derby, and it's it's a it's a war of attrition, especially when you get to the postseason. Two guys, uh, Eduardo, that uh, they acquired last year during the season now have had their first training camp with the Lightning, sort of, I guess, kind of finding their roles as well. But I mean, listen, Nick Paul can do everything. Uh, yeah, I, I've not find found anything he can't do, uh, and Brandon Brandon Hagel. Uh, contributed as well especially down the stretch so what's what's the difference now that they have they have been here uh, throughout a training camp yeah it's a little bit different because you know you you come into the team in the middle of the year at the trade deadline you know the intensity is already there you know everyone's been there you know the the lightning do have a a really good reputation though of being able to kind of you know immerse guys into the room and make them feel comfortable i think both of those guys did you know um and obviously you saw their contributions in the postseason i think that you know I, I love paul's game i think he's a guy that you know really you know adds a lot like like you said he can do everything you know he can he can play you know second line center you know he can be a top top six guy he can play on a checking anger checking line uh you know he can play on the power play play on the penalty kill um, he just does so many things for, for a big guy. He skates well. I think that's something that everyone was a little bit surprised with. You know, they didn't know that he could skate as well as he, as he does. And, you know, that can fit this team as, you know, as well, especially in like a top six role. Um, and, and I think he fits in this room really well, you know, uh, he, he, you just kind of see him around and it's, it's, he's a guy that I think that it's almost like you look at him and you say like, Oh, it's not that he, it's, it doesn't feel like he's, he was, he just got here. You know, um, I think right. Hagel's transition was a little bit different. I think as as maybe a little bit younger player, he struggled a little bit to to get feel uh, comfortable. And I think too, like early on, he probably put a little bit too much pressure on himself to to be a guy who was going to be you know the guy who scored twenty goals you know before he got traded in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because last year they probably didn't need him to be that guy. But this year, I think they would like him to be more that guy. You know, like I think you're 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 going to try to see, you know, maybe a little bit of experimentation with him on a, in, you know, in a top six role. You know, we know that he can play with good players. He played with Patrick Kane in Chicago on that same line, so um, he can play with with really good players. You know, we saw him a little bit in the preseason. You know, on the top line, we you know with with Point and Kucherov and Steven guys with Steven Stamkos, guys like that. You know, so I think. You know, you're trying to see really, you know, if he can kind of morph into that kind of offensive threat. Um, but the thing I love about Hagel is that he can do so many really great things. And if you really look at the game and you look at closely when he's on the ice, especially on like the penalty kill, uh, he has such a great stick and he can take the puck away from guys uh, and, and create his own chances that way with his speed. And we saw that a lot. Uh, we saw that a little bit in the in the preseason is his ability to to do that. You know, he can create breakaways. Um, he's and and when he starts finishing those breakaways, I think um, I think his confidence is even to grow even more. And I think that's a big thing for him is like he can get he can get scoring opportunities. He can get in front of the net. He can get breakaways. Uh, if he starts finishing those, um, he's going to be. I think he can be a really really dangerous player for this team. And um, 
you know, so I think that's really kind of the key for him. But both of those guys are going to be huge for this team this season, obviously, with with some of the carryover. And that's why you got them. You got them so they could, uh, you know, potentially help you beyond last postseason. Obviously, you know, they re-signed Paul to like a huge deal, but uh, extension, but um, in, in the offseason. But uh, but yeah, I think those guys are going to play huge, huge roles uh, for this team this year. Yeah, they rarely miss uh, when they make those deals, especially around the deadline. Both those guys integrated well. The, the Lightning are good uh, developing and acquiring young players, young talents. So you have some some young guys to watch as well. Um, tell us about them, whether it's Cole Kepke, Gabriel Fortier. I mean, who who do you who are you looking at as the young players on this team to kind of keep an eye on? Yeah, those are really the two two kind of main guys. Um, you can kind of add in Nick Perbix, you know, the defenseman. He's probably like. Who you know with with the Cole situation is is probably going to maybe get a little bit more time. He's a right shot versus a left shot, but um, you know he's a guy who a college guy. Last year he had a, a, a crazy year because basically he finished his last year of college, went to play the in the Olympics representing Team USA, and uh, then came back to Syracuse. You know, kind of an older guy, but uh, very well seasoned, uh, and they really big body. They really like uh, what he can do. Smart player. Um, but when you go back to, you know, the other, the forwards, you know, uh, Kepke kind of always had a front, front, uh, kind of like a front line to make the roster. He kind of fit in, the, in the 12 top 12, uh, probably the best. And, and it's mm. because, uh, he, the, you know, the, the, the development's so important here, you know, especially when you're a team that's kind of trades your top picks, you know, yeah. uh, a lot, like you're going to have to develop guys and Kepke is one of those guys you know he was a college guy uh came in and and last year you know talking to guys down in Syracuse you know he kind of didn't really have his game set and he tried to do a little bit too much and was a little bit mismatched and uh you know but steadily they worked with him and then he grew into a really good player uh one of the best players on the ice in, in Syracuse by the end of the year and mm-hmm big part, the really important part for his development too, was kind of being one of the guys, the black aces that kind of practice with the team and travel with the team in the postseason. And that allows a guy like him who is really a watcher, you know, he's a guy who, um, mm. you know, you want him to be around it. So, you know, and that's what they did. You know, he was around the guys in the postseason, sees the intensity of postseason hockey, you know, was able to be on the ice with them. Um, never played in a game, but uh, I think that really set the tone for him coming into this camp, you know, you get the confidence that, you know, maybe you belong. And you know, he played well. There, you know, there's still some stuff to his game in terms of consistency um, that, that they really want to see. But, you know, he's going to be in the lineup on opening night. And, um, mm. you know, so they're, they're going to see it. Um, and, you know, but, but he fits in, especially on the bottom, you know, bottom line right now. Uh, you know, he's, he has a lot, of, a lot of hustle, a lot of compete, as they say. Um, plays well in the forecheck and you know he can still he can find the net too so um at the end of the day you know like most young players you know they got to refine their games on the back ends and defensively um the same thing with 48 uh, 48 the thing that stands out about him is really his compete level he's going to be a guy that you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world he's about you know 510 um but he's got he's got a lot of hustle to his game he's not afraid to hit he's not afraid to check he had one of the loudest checks a couple games ago um and uh, you know, so, so he, he's he, and he's a guy who has played, you know, he had a brief stint with the team, I think last year, I think it was like 10 games that he played, um, and scored a goal. So uh, both of those guys are kind of, you know, works in progress, but um, you can see how they've grown. And, you know, the thing with, with 
with this team, you know, and, and both of them remind you a little bit of it. Is that like, you know, you see guys, the way they've developed guys and whether it's, you know, Tyler Johnson's or Yanni Gores or guys like that, but um, you know, everyone's kind of, you know, you got to be a bolt is what they say. And both <laughs> of these guys fit that kind of mold is, you know, guys who have high compete, you know, but also can, you know, have a little, have some skill, you know, and, and they can score. So, um, but yeah, they're, they're going to need both of those guys this year, especially Kepke. Like I said, he's going to be in the opening night lineup and, you know, in either the third or fourth line. So, um, you know, that's probably where he's, that's obviously where he slots in best right now. But, uh, you know, I think both of those guys have high upside and, uh, you know, the more reps they get, the better, uh, you know, they should be. I'm trying not to go down the whole roster, but there's just a couple guys I wanted to ask you about and I'll let yeah. you go at that. They get Vladimir Nemeskov, uh yeah. that comes in here and, Ed, he can do so much. Uh, yeah. Talk about his versatility and just how that's going to really help uh, a Lightning team, why he's such a good fit for them at this time. Yeah, and that's one thing when you look at it and you don't really think about when you like kind of just look on this roster on paper. It's like they have so much, so many guys who can do so many things. There's a lot of flexibility, and whether that's, you know, right. Vladdy's the perfect example is, you know, he can play wing on the top line. You know, you can put him on that first line with Braden Point and, you know, Nikita Kucherov, and he can score and do all the little things, kind of like a little bit like an Andre Palat, you know, um, or you can make him a center on, you know, a third line, and he can do a little bit more of the dirty work, you know, check, you know, possess the puck, you know, forecheck, all that stuff, you know, so, and he can play both the, you know, power play and the penalty kill. So, um, and he is, he's a guy who, you know, he obviously is familiar with the organization from being here previously. You know, he obviously played right. the first five, four or five years of his career here, but he, I think over the years, you know, the stops that he's been in, uh, like you're kind of now getting the kind of the best, more round, well-rounded version of Nemesnikov now as he returns. Mm-hmm. And, but he still has a familiarity with the organization, which helps. So it's almost this perfect storm could be for him. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously he came up with Nikita Kucherov. They're very tight. You love the you, you 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 can see on the ice that they have chemistry together, right? Just like they did back then, back in the day. Um, so it's the 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 tough part is kind of fit, seeing where he fits. And on a game to game basis, it might be different things that they need from him, you know. So I wouldn't be surprised even in the course of a game that you see him, you know, with Kucherov and yeah. Point or Stamkos or on a first top line, and then maybe you see him on the third line too. And you know, like I said, he's going to be playing a lot of time, you know, for a guy that. You, know, you just kind of brought in on a, on a one-year deal. Um, he's sure. going to be really important because, you know, he's going to have a second power play unit duties. He's going to be um, – you're, you're going to see him on the penalty kill. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the other night he scored a hat trick and he was involved in the first four goals. And, you know, a couple of them were in the power play. And, uh, you know, you can see right away that, like, you know, he can he can fill the net. He can be one of those guys that, you know, he can score goals. We know that. But, uh, you know, he, he might really pop here. And uh, it's really interesting to see. And, the, you know, the guys in the locker room love him. Uh, you know, they all, you know, a lot of guys know him from being here before. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, you, you, a hat trick in the preseason isn't as great as a hat trick in the regular season. But, uh, I mean, he had a hat trick, like, before, uh, I think, before the midway point of the second period. So, you know, uh, he... Uh, you know, that, that was that was really interesting to see, and you, you know that can't hurt going into you know the regular no. season opener, right? Not at all. Another Russian player to go with Nikita Kucherov, who they have chemistry together. 
Uh, the the one player I have to ask because he is uh, he's my thirteen year old daughter's favorite, and for obvious reasons, uh, I think this guy is going to become a big time scorer. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I just have this feeling. What's your thoughts about Ross Colton and and offensively what he could eventually do? Yeah, he's another guy that you know you kind of you just you you just want to see him take that next step, right? You know, yeah. so. We, we we obviously saw him a couple of years ago midseason. He gets that big goal in, in the um, sure. yeah, in the Stanley Cup final last year. You know, probably pretty quietly, he was a twenty goal scorer. You know, like mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 had a good year, but I think with him, the big thing that you want to see is a little bit more consistency on a day to day basis. And I think if you see that, you could see this guy being a thirty five. You know, you yeah, know, maybe in forty goal scorer. You know, I mean, he and, and he is another guy too. It's very much like Nemestikov is. You know, you don't necessarily know where he, where you know, you can fit him in in a lot of different roles. You know, um, one thing that people saw a little bit of from him last year that, you know, I, I, you know, I think you'll see a little bit more of. I think they'll maybe lean on him a little bit more is on the power play. You know, what I mean, like mm-hmm. he has a great snipe shot from from the left circle. That's you know, yeah. I, we did we have seen that. And like I said, if, if they can get him the puck there a little bit more, you know, he can see score even more goals. And um, but. You know, I think the the five on five consistency is what you kind of want to see from him. Um, but again, like he's one of those guys is like, you know, if you want to, he he definitely has top six ability. Uh, you know, where you know when you talk about where you put guys, you know, whether it's you know Nemestikovs or you know Nick Pauls and stuff like that, like where you put them, you know. So, um, you know, this preseason, you know, he's played both center and wing. You know, he's he's, he's been wing with Paul at center. He's you know centered a line. Uh, he's been on wing with Nemestikov, so uh, you know that's another thing too. Like, where do you put him? You know, do you put him at a wing or do you put him at center? Um, but yeah, he's another one of those guys that, like, you know, I think you want to see him just take those next steps, and it doesn't have to be gradual because I think if I mean it doesn't have to be like a huge step. I think if you just see a gradual, I think you'll get huge reward from it. You know, like I said, he's a guy that if he just gets a little bit more consistency, I think you know, he can really be a, a, a great all around player. But the, the, the good thing about Colton is that he kind of learned when he came here at the kind of the altar of some of these veterans, you know, I mean, I know him and Pat Maroon or, you know, when he came up here, he was on that fourth line with Pat Maroon. And, you know, he really learned a lot about the game, about being in the locker room, about, um, yeah. you know, having to put, you know, having to play heavy in your own end. And, and that's, I mean, that's the one thing about, it might be almost a curse for Ross Colton because that's kind of his reputation still is like, he's able to play, you know, really well heavy in his back end, but he can also score. So, um, yeah. you know, but, but he, he learned a lot then. And I think he continues to learn a lot now. I think he's a guy that's, that's kind of a, a sponge too. So as long as he keeps his head on his head, on, you know, on right, I think that uh, he's going to be a guy that can really keep, keep kind of learning and, uh, you know, take his game to the next level. I think it's really, <clears throat> excuse me, interesting um, that the Lightning and the NHL uh, schedule makers uh, know what they're doing, right? They, they have this game, Kicking off the NHL season, of course, in New York against the Rangers. It's a rematch of the Eastern Conference. When I looked at the Rangers and their goaltending, everything, it, they, they remind me, tell me if I'm wrong, because uh, they remind me a lot of the Lightning um, yeah. with the speed, with the goaltending, all of that. The Lightning have a lot of rivals. Look, I think Florida is as is, is good a rival now as, as they have. But this, this, this matchup is, is starting to get that way, starting to have that feel. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, like, and the thing is, like, rivalries develop in the postseason, right? I mean, you can play teams as much as you want. And I sure. think that's why the Florida ones kind of evolved, too, is, you know, you got a, uh, a nice uh, you know, nice rivalry with them. You played them a few times in the postseason. But, you know, when, when you're playing teams in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, 
and it's been a long time since the Lightning had played the Rangers in the postseason. So, um, yeah. you know, when, when when you start seeing those kind of things, and you have you know these seven game series that uh, that that's how the that's how rivalries develop. And you're right. I mean, this was a, a great way to kick off the season. Um, Madison Square Garden, obviously. I think that uh, yeah, I've 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 told you this before. I, I I was so impressed with the run that they made last year, and in some ways, I was more impressed with it than you know, the previous two, even though they didn't win this time, you know, just right. by the teams that they had to beat. And mm-hmm. any one of those teams they played could have won the Stanley Cup. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I have the strong belief that a couple things go Toronto's way and they can win the Stanley Cup. Same thing with Florida. If, if Ross Colton doesn't score that game two goal in Florida to go up, you know, 2-0, uh, you know, that's a different series. And obviously, you know, the Rangers had the had the Lightning's number up on them 2-0 after winning two games in New York, the first two games in New York. So, um, but yeah, this is a good, this is a great rivalry. I think that I think that the thing too is having rivalries between teams that are going to be good for a long time. You know, and obviously the Lightning have been good for a long time. They still have a you know pretty sizable window to be good for the next you know extended time, and and that's where the Rangers are too. You know. With, Shesterkin and Ned, like that's where it kind of all starts. And, you know, you've, you've got some high-end veteran skill and you have some young players coming up too that um, obviously that that their version of the kid line, that, you know, third line, the you know, was, was really big in the postseason for them. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's what you've created, like maybe in, in these postseason things and, but also what, you know, you can create with the idea that these teams are going to have to get through each other, you know, yeah. for the next few years, you know, even the Islanders a couple of years ago, you know, that kind of developed into a rivalry because they played them so many times in the postseason. You know, the Islanders kind of knocked off a little bit, you know, last year, but, um, you know, they're another team that I think the, the Lightning have kind of developed this, this rivalry. If it's always, it's always, you know, it always creates itself in the postseason because like, as I, I didn't know this until I covered hockey is that, you know, the intensity in the postseason is so much more different than the regular season. It's just like it's night and day. And um, especially when you're, you know, that that uh, that Ranger series was one of the best series I've I've seen because, you know, it's that and the that and the um, that and the Toronto series, you know, like they're both of those series. I honestly thought the lightning were done and, uh, you know, they came back in both of them and showed that. You know that that whole find a way mentality of, of of being able to win and win in the postseason when it matters the most. Yeah, and that's what those other teams aspire to be. They see the lightning bolt. They want to take that from them, and it's going to be yep. a great matchup. Igor Sisterkin against Andre Vasilevsky to start the season. Madison Square Garden, Eduardo Encino will be there uh, to bring it uh, to you for, in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. Have a great year, Eduardo. We'll be talking through uh, to you hopefully throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, uh, anytime you need me, I'm, I'm here for you, buddy cop. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Really, really looking forward to sitting down and watching the Lightning play uh, the, the Rangers tonight. That's going to be a good one. The Rays, meanwhile, this afternoon, sometime I guess around noon or so, are going to have their end-of-the-year 
I guess it's a, a post-mortem, for lack of a better term. Uh, Kevin Cash and Eric Neander will be available to talk to the media and, and discuss what happened, what their plan is moving forward. Of course, uh, a bat or two would probably help out at some point, but they were unable to swing them very well in the postseason. I think a lot of guys were a little over-anxious, to say the very least, but you know, the Rays now you know, continue to kind of surge a little backwards after making the World Series a few years ago, then being eliminated, you know, last year by the Red Sox and then this year in the wild card. So we'll see what Kevin Cash and Eric Neander have to say about that. Mark Tompkins of the Tampa Bay Times will be on hand for that. You can read that on tampabay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Again, my thanks to Eduardo Encina for Steve Burstyn, Gummer Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 